And about uh, nine minutes after seven on your Monday evening, we are back with the Employment Hour. Of course, Monday night, Wednesday night, the weekend shows and Employment Hour and 30 happens on Global TV and CTV on your weekend mornings as well. So we are all over this and a chance for you anytime to chime in. You want to email anytime as well, uh, you can do that or call. The phone lines are open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk that is toll three. You want to get the uh, want to get the questions happening. We always start, Lior, with the uh, the week that was. How are you, pal? Hi, Don, John. I'm doing great here. Uh, it's uh, you know it's beautiful out there. It's it's tough to be in a bad mood. So yeah. I'm certainly in a good one today, and I'm here to talk uh, and answer some questions. And looking forward to getting some calls today and hopefully solving some some problems. Because just because uh, you know the weather is nice doesn't mean that there's not other things that may be bothering us. And you should know, John, this time of year, the spring, uh, a lot of terminations happen because a lot of companies have fiscals that end right now, you know, mm. May, June, July, and they're going to make some changes uh, before the new fiscal year starts. So you may find yourself, even though you have done nothing wrong in uh, restructuring, the victim of a restructuring and, and being uh, without, a, without a job. So stay tuned to us. We're going to talk to you about what to do if that happens, what your entitlements are, and any other workplace problems. Maybe someone's mistreating you. We'll talk about some bad bosses later. Uh, let's talk about the, you know any harassment situations, human rights, uh, hours of work, whatever you want to talk call us right now we're here for the next 40 minutes or so to answer those questions and the week there was Johnny a couple of situations that came across my desk uh, first matter I'll tell you about uh, involved a gentleman who uh, about six months ago uh, his employer announced that they're changing some 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 of the commission the way they're paying getting paid commission right. in fact what happened is that the commission structure stay the same but the company said from now on we're gonna need you to sell different products and they even said, good news, these products even have uh, greater margins, so you could even make more money. So he thought, fine, that, that's great. Well, what he didn't realize uh, until after he started selling these new products is that these new products are very difficult to sell. Uh, these are technical devices. I don't understand them. But the bottom line is it was very, very difficult to sell. The, the demand was not as high as the demand for the previous products. Uh, so even though the margins were good, he just wasn't selling them. So the net effect of that, he was now making a lot less money. He was commission-based, making a lot less money. And finally frustrated a few months later, he calls me and he wants to know, what, what can I do here? I'm not making any money. Uh, I was making good money before. What can I do? Well, John, this is also a situation, a different situation, but a situation where ultimately it results in a constructive dismissal. What the company did here is they changed the terms of employment. He was selling certain products, getting certain compensation, and then they took that away and they gave him products to sell that weren't selling. So the net effect is that they reduced his compensation. Even though they didn't change the commission structure per se, they didn't change the percentage uh, of, of commission that he can earn, they changed the products because he made less money that's not something they're allowed to do. So he now is in a position to say, no, I'm not going to continue with this. I'm going to treat this as a constructive dismissal and leave with severance. Now, the interesting thing is he didn't have a chance or he didn't know when they announced this change that this is going to impact him this way. He only found out after trying to sell these products for yeah. a few months. So even though he's been doing this now for a few months, he's still not stuck. He can still pursue it because he only now just found out that he can't really make money. So if your employer changes the way you get paid, changes the amount of compensation, even if indirectly, 
That is not something your employer is allowed to do. If that happens, it could be a constructive dismissal, and you really, John, should give me a call. Yeah, you know, I was wondering, because you, you said he did it for several months, and usually that's that's beyond the time where he can take it for a spin, but I guess you only find out an extended amount of time of, hey, you know what, I'm taking a, I'm taking a big hit here in my wallet, right? That's when he realized it. If his company said, we're going to reduce your commission from 10% to 5%, well, he would know right off the bat what that means. He would yeah. know that there's a change being imposed that's a problem. But in this situation, they said instead of selling product A, you're going to sell product B. Well, he had no way of knowing that that's a bad thing until he actually yeah. did it. So he had a, the chance, as you say, to take it out for a spin. And when he saw that it's not working, he still can pursue it as a constructive dismissal. What else you got going on? Second matter, actually, this happened today. I got a call from a, uh, actually a, a young person working on a summer job, but I wanted to, to bring this up here. So he started a job. He's going to be uh, uh, canvassing kind of door-to-door, -door, trying to get donations for a charity. And he was going to get paid hourly, minimum wage, uh, for five hours uh, per shift. Well, he did that, and for the first week or two weeks, he got paid. Well, after a couple of weeks, the company says, well, wait a second. We now are not going to pay you for the time you spend going from customer to customer. So, you know, if you drive from this area to that area for that time, we're not going to pay you. So we're only going to pay you for three hours instead of five hours. Uh, and you're still going to get minimum wage. Well, here's the problem with that, John. The problem is they can't do that. If this is time that he's spending for the employer, that's time he has to get paid. If you have to travel to a customer, to a client, that is work time. And if you're an hourly employee, your employer has to pay for that. Beyond that, now that because they're only paying a minimum wage, but they're not paying for two out of five hours, the company's actually paying less than minimum wage. Wow. So they broke the minimal, minimum wage laws. So it's a constructive dismissal. It's a breach of the employment agreement. It's a breach of the minimum wage uh, laws. So it's, it's really a bad situation for this employee, and, and, and this company should have known better. So I wanted to bring this up because a lot of people have to travel for work. And the time that you spend traveling from customer to customer, if you're a salesperson or in this case, you know, canvassing, then that time counts. You should get paid for that if you're an hourly employee. It's amazing how, you know, reduce the, uh, reduce the pay for not travel time. All of a sudden, now they're below the threshold of minimum wage. It's like you got you to gotta pay attention to the minutia, right, when you're an employer for sure. Or you get in hot water, quite simply. You, you do. You know, oftentimes employers try to save a buck, and yeah. not, and they may not understand that they're breaking the law, but yeah. you, certainly you can't pay someone less than minimum wage. So if you're only paying them for three instead of five hours that you should be paying them, the net effect you're paying less than minimum wage. That's illegal. That's wrong. And, and believe me, John, there's significant repercussions for doing that. You bet. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, and one 225 talk That number, toll-free, lines wide open. You have questions tonight for Lior about your job, your severance, a buddy, a friend, a family member, workplace harassment, your boss. Bring them on. We're here till around 10 to 8, and we'd uh, we'd love to talk to you. Help at employmenthour.com, by the way, that is the email address, and we'll get to the severance pay calculator here in just a, a few minutes. want to get into dealing with the bad boss, because you mentioned off the top, so we'll get into this. Um... Give us an idea, first of all, the most common bad bosses that employees may encounter. Now, some of these may be funny, they may not be, but that's why we want to do this one tonight, right? Yeah, you know, the, the bad boss. And, yeah. you know, oftentimes people have bosses that are not good. And many calls that I get in my office start with, my boss is not good, or I have a bad boss, or I have a difficult right. boss. Uh, many of those calls start that way. So I wanted to talk about dealing with the bad boss. I say bad in quotation marks. 
So, you know, what is a bad boss? A bad boss can, can take many shapes or forms. Uh, but generally speaking, the most problems people have with a bad boss is, is a behavioral one. It's a, bo a boss that doesn't know how to treat employees, that doesn't treat employees respectfully, uh, that, that uh, is rude, that's uh, uh, obscene, perhaps in the way that they're behaving. Uh, or a bad boss can be a boss that doesn't uh, properly recognize the effort of the employee, takes the employee uh, for granted. I've also seen bad bosses that uh, uh, beyond that, you know, they, they, they take credit for the employee's work and they make it their own and they try to advance their own uh, career at the expense of the employee. So a bad boss is a boss that creates a work environment that's uncomfortable. A bad boss is a boss that creates a work environment that's not conducive to working, yeah. where you don't feel supported, where you don't feel appreciated, and where you don't feel you have someone to go to if you have a problem. Because a boss ultimately is there to make sure that you and your colleagues can do the job. And if the boss has creates an environment you don't feel you can do the job, well, that's a bad boss, and that's a boss that you should be concerned about, and the company itself should be concerned about as well. Every time we, we talk about this, I just think of, you know, Lumberg and Office Space. Yeah, I'm going to have to get you to come in on Sunday. That would be great, okay? Like just yeah, classic there you go. That's a bad boss right there. classic example, right? That's a classic. Uh, phone lines, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one triple eight two two five. talk That number is toll-free. We'll get to uh, Jim. Hey, Jim, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Good, sir. What's going on? Okay, so I'm on LTD. And um, my LTD uh, finally uh, just had sent me an email saying that they want me to apply for uh, government disability. Yep. Now, one, I'm wondering, do I have to do that? And two, what happens if I get turned down by government disability? Are they now able to say, well, they didn't pass you. Now, you know, we can drop you. Uh, great question, Jim. Absolutely. So let's, let's answer the first one first, which is do you have to apply? And the answer is yes because it's a term of the insurance policy, the long-term disability uh, policy, that you will apply. So yes, you do have to apply for, uh, for Canada Pension Plan disability coverage. So that's number one. Number two, though, uh, is if they reject you, and by the way, uh, it's not that difficult necessarily to get, but if they do reject you, no. That does not mean that the insurance company can say, aha, they say you're fine, so we're cutting you off as well. Absolutely not. Ultimately, what the CPP folks say or, or do has nothing to do with the disability insurer. If your doctor supports you and says that you still cannot work, you're unable to work, then the insurance company needs to and must pay you. And if they try to play games, they try to cut you off, they, try, they threaten, they, they give you uh, deadlines, we're going to cut you off in three months, whatever it is, give me a call and let me deal with them. But bottom line is, no, they can't cut you off because of CPP, but you do have to apply. Okay. So no, no, just another question then is, because I was hoping eventually, maybe sometime being able to go back to work. Yep. Now, what happens if I, if I able to just, everything just goes away, no problems or. So if you're able to come back to, to go back to work and again, you, you want to take your, your kind of guidance from your doctor. issues that, you know, it seems it's going to be, they're, they're chronic and they're eventually going to get worse. But I was hoping that maybe I might be able to. Hmm go back to work in say two, three years or something if if I have the operation now where they're saying I'm too young to have it. 
So, so first of all, what you want to do is you want to stay in touch with your employer. What I mean by that is you don't want them to just kind of forget about you because you've been off for so long. So be in touch with them. Let them know that you're working on getting better. Maybe even have your doctor send them a note that you are working on getting better at some point, that you don't know if it's going to be now or in the future, but you're working on getting better. So that's number one. Number two is if you try to go back to work, at that point, the insurance payments stop. Uh, you don't get that anymore. You'll get paid by your company. If yeah. you try to go back to work and after a while of doing that, you realize I can't do it, it's gotten worse or it's just not possible, then the insurance company has to pick up uh, where it left off and start paying you. Okay. So, so you are allowed to try and if you want to be in touch with the company, I don't want you to just kind of fade away and then three years from now and say, here I am. That's not a good thing. Be in touch with them throughout. Uh, yeah. and, but the insurance company will have to pay you if you're not able to come back to work. Okay, so if I ended up by getting disability, they just cut their portion of what they would pay me right that, that that's basically what they're trying to do so so yes so if you if you do get, get approved by the government then that comes off the top what the, the insurance company pays you yes absolutely but for no. you it's the same you're not making less money it just comes no. from a different source yeah, yeah i know it comes from two sources instead of one exactly and, and etc but they cannot cut off my benefits or anything else no sir they cannot no jim okay thank you very much for your time Leon. no problem Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate that. And we'll get to your calls as well. Lines are open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk That number is toll-free. I see you there, Bob. Hang on. We'll get to you and you as well. Give us a call. The Employment Hour continues right here on Global News Radio. And ready for your calls, yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk That number is toll-free. And right back at her. Bob, thanks for hanging on. How are you? Good evening. Great. How are you? Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you tonight? I was hired uh, 12 years ago by my company, and I'm in sales. And at the time uh, of being hired in my contract, my company indicated that there would be a profit-sharing plan that would come in. And uh, 12 years later, uh, they still haven't provided any profit-sharing plan. But uh, the work that I have done, the sales that I have made to the company have allowed the company to be very profitable. So I'm now looking at leaving the company and getting a new job. And I'm wondering, um, do I have a case to go after my employer for a profit sharing that never materialized? Great question, Bob. And here's the problem. Uh, because this happened or because the contract was signed 12 years ago and for 12 years they didn't do what they said that they were going to do, over time you're considered to have accepted this, this new reality, the reality being that you don't have profit sharing. So because of that, now you're not able to do anything about it. You're deemed to have accepted this, to have agreed to it, even though I know you didn't and you didn't want to. But just by virtue of time and continuing to work there this whole time, uh, there's there's not much you could do. You would have had a small window, you know. It, let's say you could have given them a year or so to kind of get their stuff together, get their uh, act uh, together to get the profit sharing going. But 12 years is is, is too long. So you're going to find that at this point, if you leave, that's fine. But you're not going to be able to pursue the profit sharing, Bob. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that. And we'll move on to uh, to Brandon. Hey, Brandon, good evening. Hey there. Uh, so my question is, is if I, sorry, if I put in my two weeks, like I'm leaving a company, I put in my two weeks notice and everything that I'm required to do. Uh, and for sake of argument, something happens between 
like the owner and I or whatever that makes me want to leave earlier, it, can I suffer any kind of repercussions uh, through the company for then, then leaving, say, like the following day? So when you say that you, you give or you you may give the two weeks that you require to give, what do you mean by required? Is there an employment agreement that says you have to give two weeks? Where where did you get the two weeks from? Uh, well, I I don't have like an employment agreement that says I have to give two weeks, but it's just been uh, a common thing through the company that you give a minimum of of two weeks notice. Okay, so you should know that the law does not impose. A, a specific amount of time or a notice that you have to give as the employee. Usually for you to have to give a specific amount of time, then uh, that that would have to be a part of an employment agreement. You would have had to sign an employment agreement that says, if you leave, you give us two weeks notice or three weeks notice or whatever it is. Now, that, that aside though, let's assume it is two weeks that you have to give. The only way you can get quote unquote into trouble for giving less notice than that is if the company can show that because you didn't give your full two weeks notice, they've incurred financial losses that they could not avoid. Uh, and that would be okay. extremely difficult, I think, for the company to ever show that. So if you give three days as an example instead of two weeks and they can so show, wait a second, because Brandon didn't give two weeks, we lost this client or we lost this business here, then you may be liable for, for those losses. But the chances of them actually be able to ever, ever show anything like that, man, that would be extremely unlikely. So generally speaking, notice is about not burning bridges. It's not so much about liability. It's just about yeah. kind of doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So, well, just leaving has burnt that bridge. So that's why I was curious. Hmm. So, yeah, you, again, if they can show a loss, maybe. But beyond that, I, I really wouldn't worry about that, Brandon. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Have a good evening. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale to call in and to ask your questions as well. one 225 talk That number and that choice is uh, is toll-free. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, pal. What's going on? Okay, so my wife, she's a, a very senior position for a financial institution that does uh, outsourcing for the uh, Ontario and federal government loan for the uh, the OSAP, and um, the problem is she now she's pretty secure in her job. The problem that I just asked her about is she okay, so she hates her job, and she always worries that she's going to be ousted. But the problem is, is that a while ago she signed a contract that her severance was only a one-year severance now she's like i said she's secure in her position right now and i want to know how she can get because she's been there for over 10 years hmm. i want to know how she can get out of that contract right so it, it's a question of uh whether or not uh the, the contract is enforceable if it's enforceable she can't get out of it it's a question of enforceability and it can be unenforceable for a few reasons. One of them could be if she signed it after she was already working and they didn't give her anything in return, maybe it's not enforceable. If it's not drafted in a particular way, it may not be enforceable. So the best advice that I could give is to have her send me a copy of that agreement. Send me a copy of that contract. Once I take a look at it, I can say, yes, it's enforceable or no, it's not enforceable. Now, the, the problem with a year is... Are, yeah, go ahead. 
the big thing with Lior is she's been promoted several times since, since then. She signed that initial contract. She's gone up from uh, operations manager to director without having signed any new employment contracts. So we would need to see the agreement as well, because if, in fact, the agreement is silent on this issue, that may be good news that it's not enforceable. But some agreements would say that this agreement is going to continue to apply regardless of what position you have. So in other words, it could stay with her even if she gets promoted, but it would actually have to say that. So I would want to see it. Now, keep in mind, a year may not be terrible if they were to let her go, let's say, very, very soon. Uh, she's been there for 10 years. But let's say if they let her go five years from now, at that point she could be owed 18 months pay or, or more, uh, and, and it may not be good. So I agree with you that ideally she she would not want to be bound by this agreement. So still, have her send me a copy. There's several reasons why it may not be enforceable, but I won't know until I actually read it. Okay, but prima facie, one year after 10 years of full severance, of full compensation, it isn't that bad. How how old is your wife? She's forty five. So a year would not be bad for her right now. She could be owed another month or so more, but it wouldn't so be bad for her now. right now. But the more she works, uh, then it could become really bad. And you know, as she gets older and she gets uh, even more years under her belt, it could absolutely be bad, uh, Mike. Okay. All right. So there are there are possible ways out of what she signed even when she was hired as as a director and now sorry, even if she was hired as a senior operations manager and now she's a director right and yeah. she hasn't signed anything new since she was originally employed as a as a operation or as a operations manager now she's a director there isn't anything totally detrimental well, again, I, I can't say anything about it without seeing it. So okay. have her send me a copy. She can fax it. She can email it. I can take a look at it and within a couple of minutes uh, tell her everything she needs to know about the enforceability, about whether it's good or bad, but I need to see it. Okay. Thank you very much, Lior. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Uh, that number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to get a hold of Lior and his crew, or it is help at employmenthour.com. Send that over. I think he said it's, it, he made it sound like she was already working when she signed that contract. Yeah, and, and she may have been, and in which yeah. case, as I said, that could be a, a reason why it would be unenforceable. Remember, the rule yeah. generally is that for an employment agreement, a contract of employment, for it to be enforceable, the employee would have to sign it before they started working. Not on their first day, not on their second week before they start working. Unless, of course, the employee, once they did sign it after they started working, got something in return for signing it. A signing bonus, a pay increase, a promotion. So right. all of that I would have to know and see before I can tell Mike or Mike's wife whether that agreement is in fact enforceable. We cover everything on this show. Time to call in. You still have plenty. It is uh, 416-870-6400-640 on your cell and one 225 talk That is absolutely toll-free. We're doing this again Wednesday night. We have our weekend shows and, of course, Employment Hour and 30 on TV, on Global TV and CTV. That is on your weekend mornings as well. Dealing with the bad boss. Now, obviously, no boss is perfect. I'm sure you probably consider yourself fairly perfect as well. Absolutely, so, completely, yeah. yes. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> so, so at what point do you know that you have to do something about your bad boss? 
Yeah, and, and seriously, no, no boss is perfect, and no one's ever had uh, a boss that's completely, uh, you know, uh, foolproof and, and didn't make any mistakes. But if, in fact, you're now in a situation where you're, you're, you're dreading coming to work, if you're now in a situation where you're concerned about your, your job safety, uh, then you have to do something about it. At that point, it becomes more than just, ah, you know, my boss uh, woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. I'll just have to deal with it. You know, those things happen. Uh, but if, in fact, you're, you're now in a situation where your job is not the job that you want, not the job that you used to have, now, John, time to do something about it. So uh, that's it. you got a bad boss. What do you do? Well, you know, the first thing I say is you want to try to resolve things internally, and, and, and it goes in, in, in phases and stages. First thing, if possible, I'd want you to talk to the boss. And, and uh, I would want you to have a, a conversation, very polite, very friendly, uh, saying, you know, here's some issues that I've had, some concerns. And you want to follow that up with an email, okay? An email confirming what was said, uh, because you don't want it to, you want to create this record. You're now trying to put, put yourself in a situation where if you need to push harder, you have this record that you can show that you've done something to try to deal with this bad boss. So you want to create this record. And, and beyond that, if you can't talk to the boss, you want to escalate. You want to go above his or her head. You want to go to HR if possible. You may want to talk to them on the condition that they're going to keep your name uh, anonymous, that you're, they're not going to use your name. Tell them what's happening with the boss. Tell them right. the concerns because it is HR's job to, to deal with this. It is HR's job to investigate, to take measures, uh, and to try to fix the problem. So you want to try to resolve it internally, and then every time you do, you want to confirm that in writing. We'll talk more about building written records. You have to have that in writing, and if you do, nothing bad can happen to you. Uh, so try to deal with it internally. Let's get to a, another call as we, uh, as we roll on here. Uh, Johnny, good evening. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Good, pal. What's, uh, what's up with you? Uh, so I was at a job for approximately 10 to 12 years, and then I was headhunted by someone and uh, was hired by them. Uh, you know, I decided to leave my old job for my new job. Uh, but my question is, if uh, something were to happen, if I was laid off or, or fired, are they responsible for any of the severance going back to my old uh, job because question. they headhunted me, number one, and mm -hmm. number two... You know, I, uh, well, I, I mean, yeah, like, well, you understand what I'm trying to say. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Now, John, Johnny, how long ago was it that uh, they headhunted you? When did you start with this new company? I started uh, about a year ago. Okay, a year ago. So so here's the answer. When you're uh, recruited away from another company, so you're, you're happily employed, you're not looking to leave, and they come to you and they convince you to leave, and even though you weren't necessarily looking to leave, you agree, then if you start with a new company and then they let you go, Yes, the general rule is that they have to account for your previous service when it comes to severance. We call this inducement. They induce you to leave a secure job, and because of that, they owe you more severance. Now, here's the thing, though. Two things. Number one, that only applies for the first, say, three or four years that you're with this new company. Once you're beyond the three or four years, then that inducement factor goes away. At that point, they won't have to account for the past service. So with your company, Johnny, if they were to let you go today, then yeah, they would have to account for that past service. If they let you go three years from now, then they would not. That's, that's number one. The second thing, probably even more important, is we would want to see a copy of your employment agreement if you signed one. You may have signed an employment agreement with this company when you started a year ago, because in that agreement, they may say a few things such as you're on probation, or they may say uh, that they're going to pay you less severance, and if they said those things, and if those things are enforceable, 
that may mean that you don't get credit for past uh, uh, service because you agreed in the agreement that you wouldn't get it. So I'd want to see a copy of your employment agreement, uh, and, and that's why it's so important. If you're recruited for, to, for uh, a job, if you're leaving a secure job, you want to pay very close attention to the employment agreement you're going to sign with a new company because you may be giving up rights uh, that you don't want to give up. Okay. Now, when you uh, say three or four years, where is that actual threshold, or is it just depend on the situation? Uh, like, personally, each situation is a little bit different? So generally, this inducement only applies if you're let go shortly after you started with the company, okay? So three, four years tops is kind of the, 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 what our courts have decided this inducement applies. Okay. Uh, so, so, you know, three years, I'd say for sure. Four years is kind of stretching. It's, that's the range. Uh, but beyond that, for sure, you wouldn't be getting any credit. All right. Very good. I appreciate the answer. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate that. You need to get a hold of Lior anytime, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. It's, uh, it's interesting, that whole thing with inducement. You really got to be careful with that employment agreement that you sign with a new company, right? Because they, yeah. they can contract themselves yeah. out of that sucker. You always, by the way, need uh. to be comfortable or, 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 or you need to be very, very careful with the employment agreement because the employment agreement is one of the most important documents you're going to sign. And too many people don't pay attention to it. They look at, oh, the salary is great done where do i sign yep. and that's a huge mistake it's a huge mistake because there could be a lot of things in the agreement that could cost you money that could cause you problems uh that could uh, be really problematic there could be things that allow the company to change your pay to change your job to pay you yeah. little severance preventing you from working in the industry many things like that you have to be careful so as careful as you always have to be with an employment agreement you have to be that much more careful if you're if you're leaving a secure job to join a company, you know, think about it. If you're leaving a secure job because they recruited you, why on earth would you ever agree to to join this company just to be on probation? Yeah, it's silly. They came to you, yeah. they convinced you to leave. You had a secure job for, in this case, Johnny said uh, ten or twelve years, and you agree to be on probation. That's ridiculous. Never agree to something like that. So. We have to be very, very careful with an employment agreement always and definitely if we get recruited from another job. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell is the number as well, one 225 talk That number is toll free. You want to call in and ask some questions yourself. Still got a few minutes to do so. We were talking about the bad boss, um, dealing with it, going right to the boss, trying to resolve it on your own. Is there risk of this backfiring? So that's always the question. People yeah. are always concerned about, you know, can this backfire on me? Can, in fact, I be punished for bringing this up to the boss? Now, here's the thing. Uh, the, the answer is, is it depends. Keep in mind that an employer can always let you go right. uh, if severance is paid. That said, if what you're complaining about in terms of the boss is harassment, the boss is harassing you, you cannot be punished. Let's be very clear. You cannot, cannot be punished for raising harassment allegations. That's illegal, okay? doesn't matter what kind of harassment. It doesn't have to be sexual harassment, any harassment. So if you're simply complaining this is a boss that's just being very unreasonable and not supporting me, can you be fired? Well, that would be terrible HR practice, but you can as long as severance is paid. But most companies would not do that. You have an HR person, most companies do, for a reason, to try to solve these issues, to work with the parties, with the boss, with the employees, to make sure that it's productive. So in my experience, it's very rare that someone is going to get punished for talking or, or trying to complain or raising concerns about a bad boss. So generally not a concern. 
You tried to deal with the bad boss and uh, maybe several times hasn't happened. Things didn't change. What now? So once you've tried to deal with it uh, internally and if you've failed, in other words, you've tried, it's not happening, the boss's behavior hasn't changed, HR didn't do anything, then it's time to potentially deal with it externally. Now it could be a constructive dismissal. Now you may be dealing with a poison work environment. We may need to get you out of there with severance. We may need to uh, make sure that you don't have to put up with this anymore. So once you deal with it internally, once you have those documents, you can back up what you've said, what you've done. You've created that written record. Call me at that point. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure that uh, if things don't get better, we get you out of there, but we get you out of there with severance. Get to uh, Karen. Hey, Karen, good evening. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's going on? What's your concern tonight? Uh, my concern is that I was recently terminated, and uh, it was I was told it was for uh, work performance. Um, I don't believe that it was. There are some circumstances that have taken place in the weeks prior that uh, I believe have led to this termination. Those circumstances being a workplace injury that I was off for a number of weeks. Mm-hmm. And not only that, um, there's also mental illness that uh, my employer was aware of and some dirty tricks going on with coworkers and even uh, my employer. Um, I don't know how much more detail I, I need to give. I just know that something's not right here. Um, and it's- Yeah, it certainly doesn't, doesn't sound right. So, Karen... If, in fact, it can be established that the company lets you go because of a medical condition, for example, uh, or because you had a workplace injury, that's illegal. Okay, mm-hmm. That's discrimination. It's a violation of the Human Rights Code. It could even be a violation of the uh, uh, workers' compensation legislation. So it's illegal, irrespective of severance. So obviously that's something I would want to sit down with you and find out more exactly about what happened. Uh, but uh, once, answer me this. Did they offer you any severance? Yes, 12 weeks. Uh, 12 weeks. How long did you work there for? Just under two years. Under two years. What kind of job and how old are you, Karen? Uh, I'm 42 and it was um, a senior position in the finance world. So if it's a senior position, you could be looking at as much as six months pay instead of the 12 weeks that they've offered you. So right off the bat, you could be looking at a wrongful dismissal. But beyond the the wrongful dismissal, which comes down to the severance, obviously we want to explore the issue of the uh, the reasons, whether it's discriminatory. So because we obviously can't get into that in depth now, what I want you to do, Karen, is I want you to call me or email me off, off air. Uh, let's connect. Let's sit down and talk about this. I want to find out exactly what happened, and we can go from there. Okay. Thank you, Karen. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at employmenthour.com. Still got a couple minutes left before we wrap, so we'll squeeze you in. Jim, how are you? Hi, hi, uh, guys. Um, I listen often, and I just I have a general question. It's not to do with me specifically, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's with regards to the work phones. Um, it seems like almost everybody has a work phone these days, and I'm wondering what the rules are as far as you know what your what your expectation should be. What's what's reasonable? Because I, where I work, nothing's really drawn out. It's just kind of an expectation, and I just sort of wanted to get a sense of that if you knew. Yeah, and that's a real issue these days because we all have our phones and it's almost expected that we can get back to people because everyone knows we're going to you know, get our messages on the phone. So, so it becomes a problem when there's a real expectation that you do work when you're off work, when you're not working. 
at that point, there should be an expectation. If, if the company expects you to work, you should be expected to get paid. You should, you should expect to get paid for it. Certainly, if you're an hourly employee, then you should get paid for it. But even beyond that, if it becomes excessive, it's more than just a quick, uh, yes, I got it, and you're actually expected to start answering questions and, and, and corresponding with people, then, yeah, you would be able to say, well, no, I'm working, I should get paid, and if the company in, in imposes on you these new obligations, they don't pay you for it, if it becomes excessive, that could be a constructive dismissal. But what you don't want to do is if the company does this, you don't want to kind of sit down and uh, sit back and let it happen for too long because you may be considered to have accepted it. So once you realize we have a problem here, the company is expecting me to do too much, that's not part of the deal that we had, you may have a window there to treat that as a constructive dismissal. I would start by talking to the company about it, see if, seeing if something can be worked out. And if not, then you may be able to consider a constructive dismissal, Jim. Okay, okay. And then also if you've happen to be in a position where you've had a few beers, then okay. should you even be answering it? No, you shouldn't. And, and, and that's why you, you got to be responsible. And that's on you, okay. the employee. If you're not in a position to deal with work things, you shouldn't because that could be cause for discipline for sure. Okay. Okay. Perfect. All right. That's all I need to know. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jimmy. The moral of the story, the work phone and a couple wobbly pops, never miss. Never mix those together. No, not That's a good combination. Right. We are done for a, another night here. We'll reconvene Wednesday at the same time. And, of course, the weekend shows and employment hour in 30 on TV, Global TV and CTV. That happens on your weekend mornings as well. Get a hold of Lior from now on, one 821 5900 Go to Severance Pay Calculator. You'll want to find out the number it should be, your proper severance. There's contact at the bottom of that as well. And barring those two, there's also email help at employmenthour.com. Until next time, this has been the Employment Hour right here at Global News Radio.